Welcome everyone, Call It In The Ring Media presents Squared Circle Rewind episode 125 where we are reviewing WWF Royal Rumble 1997. I'm your host Jesse and I will be shortly joined by Dave and Ben. As always, we will start with Body Slam, some beneficial facts, we will review the pay-per-view and give our workhorse and tool of the night performer. Hope you enjoy, here we go. And we got David Ben, and we got some music going on. <laughs> what was that? There's a rumble theme. Come on now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How are you both doing? Wonderful. Dave? Very well. Very well. How's, how's isolation going? Uh, it's continuing. I guess that's like the only thing you really can say. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into some body slam. What do you got for us this week, Dave? So not really much going on wrestling as you know it because of what's happening globally with the pandemic and really is the only one that's going still. So I guess we can talk about W2K21 being officially canceled. And with that, 2K announced a new game that has obviously mixed reviews because it's more arcade style. And it's called WWE Battlegrounds. It's kind of like I see it as a All-Stars 2 is what I see it as. Yeah, that from the from the footage I saw, it was very much uh, All-Stars like vein. It literally starts off with The Rock throwing John Cena into an alligator's mouth. And smarks everywhere cheer. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, so we lose 2K21, which I'm not going to lie to you. I'm extremely happy for because it's a result and it's a a consequence for releasing a terrible game that 2K20 was. Yeah. Like, I spent $120 on that game and I lost all of it. And not yeah. to mention the fact that it was just absolutely atrocious. And it was funny that DDB was the one that actually made the announcement saying that there will not be a new game for them, but there's a game coming in, uh, coming soon. I was like, okay, that's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you can tell us there's no new game coming, but then you announce a new game with the <laughs> company. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, a lot of fans are very upset with the game, and I totally understand why, because they're like, wait a minute, we just spent 60 to $120 on the previous game that was a flunk, and now you're announcing a brand new game. Yeah, but then they but then they came out and said in that release that they're working on uh, the 2K22. It probably won't be called 2K22. They're probably going to rebrand it something different, I would assume. Like, they wanted to go, from what I read, they wanted to go to a more of an arcade-style game this year and do a simulate and then work on the simulation game. What I would hope they would do is every year you still have a release, but uh, you do the arcade game this year uh, or this fall going into Christmas. And then next fall you do the simulation game, which is like the two K series with the universe mode. You bring back GM mode, like Jesus Christ, bring back GM mode. <laughs> um, right now. Bring it back right now. Uh, and then the next year, do the do another arcade game. So that way, like if you're if you're in, so there's a there's a new release every single year, but you give two years for the simulation and two years for the arcade game. You know, and and you could you could do all this DLC and all this stuff to keep money coming in. Uh, but then this way, it gives you a long time to to come up with fresh ideas because th that's a big problem with all sports game, all yearly games. Uh, it's a big problem is that they. Because the timing is so short, they don't have time to come up with new ideas. Generally, they well, just mail they mail it in, and it's a it's a it's a roster update. To be quite honest, a lot of the times, and if you have two years, maybe they can actually come up with new modes, new exciting features. You know, kind of reminds you of Call of Duty, how they had an agreement with two different publishing companies, where they'd have Black Ops two by one company and a Black Ops three by another one. Yeah, yeah. And like that's how you had zombies and then no zombies every year. Yep. Uh, but another thing is, with them being gone for so long, it, it gives us fans hope to be like, you know what? 
we've been settling for the last, I'm going to say, eight to nine years for wrestling games. Oh, I. Now we can look forward to a you know a game that we can actually be excited about, not just because it's the only going to be a game coming out, but because they're going to put a lot of work into it. I think the last game that I was genuinely excited for was when they did the 30 years of Mania mode. And I can't remember which one it was. I think it was 2K14. Yeah, you have that one still, don't you? I uh, somewhere lying around. But yeah, that, 2K14. And then before that, who knows when the last game, you know, and I bought most every game after that. Uh, 2K17 was my last because I just got tired of nothing coming up. In these games, you know, it, it's, it felt like just a, gen, a a roster update. And you would always get the games and you would tell me about them. I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't buy that game. <laughs> you know? so like, that's, that's I remember I remember SmackDown versus Raw 2006, 2007 were amazing. Yes. I remember SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain. Yep. Well, the first three uh. SmackDowns, like it was SmackDown, SmackDown, Know Your Role, and SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain. Those were amazing. Those were so much fun. They were awesome. Yeah. So that happened this week. 2K21 is officially canceled. Um, WB is doing money in a bank at the headquarters. Climb that corporate ladder, baby. And once again, it, it, it's receiving mixed reviews. But my, per, you know, my point of view is there's no audience. They have to do something that's creative to be attractive. And this kind of piqued my interest to the point where I want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't lead to some good entertainment. Like apparently, they didn't be like running through headquarters to the top, and then finishing at the top of the roof to climb the ladders. So it's like an yeah. obstacle course through the the uh, headquarters. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. You gotta be you gotta so give WWE credit for for being creative at this time. They're coming up with with creative things to do uh, without fans. Um, also, that hit the social media wave for the last two days was Velveteen Dream being accused yeah. of inappropriate photo sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, not much to speculate as per right now because, well, I, you know, you, myself, and Ben, we're all equal in this thinking where it's innocent till proven guilty, but wrestling fans have this mentality of, oh, it has to be true, so he's guilty. Yeah, well, that, not even wrestling fans, it's social media. Social media, media in you're, you're guilty uh, until you're proven innocent is what they go by. Yeah, so that's going on, and a lot of discussion in regards to that. And he's involving third parties, investigators, to figure out where it was hacked and so forth. And besides that, there's really not much else going on. All right. I haven't watched any wrestling besides the podcast reviews, to be honest. Yeah, me neither. Ben, have you watched any other wrestling in the last little while? Uh, no, but I didn't hear about the Velveteen Dream uh, thing until you guys just brought up now. What? Long story short, what what was it about exactly? Okay, so it was released that he was sharing inappropriate photos to youths under the age of seventeen. Ah, there was also a rumored voice recording of him asking where a youth went to school. And then Velveteen Dream came out and said that it is not true. He was hacked, and he has a third-party investigators helping him out. You know what? I watched that Tough Enough series with him on it. Um, my guts just tell me I believe him. Like it just—he never—he never came across as that kind of guy. Well, and uh, so many fans are saying, well, this is the problem with having a gimmick like he has. And I'm like, what the hell is that? What does that have to do with Yeah, exactly. What does that have to do with anything? Like, okay. Oh, the character he's playing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll have more details on that as, you know, they are released in regards to, from, you know, sorry, from Velveteen himself. Mm -hmm. Because it's just speculation from here on. But besides that, I got nothing else. All right. I think it's time for some beneficial facts. All right. Royal Rumble 1997. The 10th annual Royal Rumble took place on January 19th, 1997 in San Antonio, Texas, in front of 60,477 fans at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. The home of Shawn Michaels, in case uh, none of you uh, 
were aware of that. They they only said it about thirteen times on the broadcast. So before the first match, yeah, it, I, uh, <laughs> I personally I needed them to say it to me about twenty six times before it really went home. Well, like, I need at oh. least forty two to forty three. Oh, it is Shawn Michaels' home. I already forgot. I get it. <laughs> yeah, the tagline for the event was "No more Mister Nice Guy." Okay. Whatever. And yet, uh, <laughs> and yet, they didn't use Alice Cooper's "No more Mister Nice Guy" as the theme, like. Opportunity missed, WWE. Opportunity missed. Yeah, it's San Antonio, Texas, so they, they're probably not big rock fans down there. More country, but no, I agree. Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper's better than country music. He was there at um, WrestleMania 2, wasn't he? No, 3? Where was he? Uh, number 3. 3, number yeah. Three. yeah. That was in Detroit, the home of rock and roll, man. There and, you go. Yeah. I mean, if Toby Keith came out and saying no more, Mister Nice Guy, I guess I would have been more playing to the crowd. I don't think Toby Keith was around in 1997, or is just getting started. <laughs> yeah, who is big? Alan Jack. Alan Jack. There you there go. Katakuchi. <laughs> Katakuchi, baby. <laughs> uh, commentary was done by Vince McMahon, Jerry the King Lawler, and Jim Ross. Royal Rumble 97 did a 0.70 buy rate at 190,000 pay-per-view buys, doing a live gate of $480,000. And that's why you go to the big arenas, baby. Yes. Um, actually, um, up until this event, the largest um, wrestling event that took place in Texas was actually in 1984 at uh, Texas Stadium. And that was the... Um, that was the card where um, it was about three months after um, David Von Erich died, and that's where uh, Kerry Von Erich defe- mm. uh, defeated Ric Flair for the NWA title. Mm. And uh, Royal Rumble 97 actually uh, surpassed that as far as attendance. Um, Royal Rumble 97 is to this day the largest attendance in Royal Rumble history. The closest to that mark was Royal Rumble. 2017, which was held at, yes, the Alamo Dome, and that attendance was 52,020 fans. The the one this past year, the 2020, didn't get up? That, nope, that didn't, uh, that didn't even uh, break 50,000. It only uh, got up to, uh, if I round up, about 48,500. I know it's, it's pretty deceiving. Actually, um, Chase Field in Arizona actually had a larger uh, crowd. That was the, uh, the crowd that was about 48,000 fans. The one at Minute Maid Park didn't even surpass 44,000. Wow. There you go. Yeah. More you know. It's deceiving, though. I, I, I could see why you would say that. Yeah. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin's number five entry in the Royal Rumble is the only time a fifth entry – Ever won the main, the uh, Rumble match? Wow, there you go. Yeah, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin ranks number ten on the list of longest time ever spent in Rumble matches, and he competed in the Rumble matches at two hours forty five minutes and four seconds. Um, up to this point, Bill Mascaris was the oldest entrant in Rumble history at fifty four years old. That record would stand until 2007 when Ric Flair would dethrone Mascaris of that dubious honor. Flair would be 57 when that happened. This one, this one I, th- I thought was really cool. Shawn Michaels has competed in Rumble matches in four separate decades. Jesus. 1989, the 90s. Uh, the 2000s and 2010, which was his uh, his final year. Oh, that's crazy. Great way to make him feel old. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that yeah. definitely well, was that, that too. too yeah. <laughs> uh, the only semi-active wrestlers that could catch Michaels in this department are Kane, Undertaker, and Triple H. So wow. here's, what I, here's what I say you do at uh, Royal Rumble the 2021. Have those three come out, number one, two, and three. <laughs> and then have the fads fucking explode because they're not pushing the new guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a whole different uh, truck full of worms <laughs> that we could open up there. Um, Stone Cold would tie Hulk Hogan with number of eliminations in the Rumble match with 10 eliminations. At this point, the most ever 
And that feat wouldn't be conquered until 2001 when Kane would set a new eliminations record at 11, which would then be broken by Roman's, Re- Ro- Roman's reign. Uh, by Roman, Roman reign. Reigns. <laughs> Roman's reign. Uh, Roman reigns at 12. Oh, well. Uh, let's see. Big Daddy Dentist Machine Kane DDS <laughs> has the most eliminations in rubble history at 44. Stone Cold has only competed in six Rumble matches and has a total of 36 eliminations. Uh, Mr. Hughes is back in WWE or WWF as Triple H's butler. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Ahmed Johnson makes his return to in-ring action against from his injury against Farouk. This would mark Bret Hart's final Rumble match participation. Huh. Yeah, I guess you guys ever? are supposed. You guys are supposed to go. Ooh. I guess. Well, I guess everything in '97. It's going to be like like Bret Hart's final. This Bret Hart's final. That you know. Well, I don't know. Eleven months from now, I, I just have a feeling something's going to happen. Uh, I just can't. I can't shake this feeling. D'Lo Brown is sporting a nice uh, a nice suit as a member of the Nation of Domination. He joined the group in January fourth of nineteen ninety seven. Didn't even notice him. <laughs> He's really only in one okay. shot, but I, I, I did notice him. <laughs> I did not notice him. Jesus Christ! You ain't down I, with I, the brown. I was looking for him just to see if he was in the nation at this point, and then I found out that he was. Um, WWF at the time was working in association with, with uh, Mexico-based Lucha Libre promotion AAA, and had several wrestlers from the promotion participate in dark matches and the Rumble match itself. Uh, this was the first Rumble match to have um, multiple self-eliminations <laughs> based on my research. And if I'm wrong, correct me, but I did actually look into this after I watched the Rumble match itself. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then, yeah. Well, yeah, it was, it was Ahmed Johnson and it was uh, Mil Mascaris, right? Those are the two. Which, you know what? I'm going to touch on, I was going to mention that in Beneficial Facts. I will touch on that when we talk about the okay. match. Because Mil Mascaris' self-elimination is bullshit. Okay. And I'll explain okay. why. Um, all right, we'll go over some uh, dark matches and some free, ah, uh, uh, free-for-all match, I should say. And then we're going to go over the REA, the Rumble Eliminations Average. Okay. To close out Beneficial Facts. Okay. So, dark match results. Uh, Paraguayo Aguayo Jr. and Venom defeated Manico and Mosca de la Merced in 10 minutes. Have any of you heard of any of those? Well, guys? yeah, Venom's, Venom is Spider-Man's villain. Eddie Brock. Okay. New, moving on. Okay. <laughs> uh, Blue Demon Jr., Octagon, and Tinny... Yeah, this is where I'm going to get... See, I could actually make out the names when I read them off of Wikipedia, but now they've written them down. <laughs> I can't read them. Right. Uh, Tinny Blast Jr. defeated Abismo Negro, Heavy Metal, and Hysteria in 14 minutes. Heavy Metal works two matches on the card? He works two matches. Okay. I know. I was wondering if you guys were going to catch okay. that. <laughs> and the free-for-all match. Uh, Mascarita Sagrada Jr. and La Parquita defeated Mini Mankind and Mini Vader in four minutes in 29 uh, seconds. They, they, they had, oh, fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they had to bring back the midgets for this one, eh? Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, it is Mexican wrestling. It does it kind of make sense in a way. So, I did a little chart here, and it's called the Rumble Eliminations Average. And what that's based off of is... How many, um, how many rumbles they've been been in, and they divide it by eliminations, and that takes you to your eliminations average. Matt. What I'll do is, I'll, so I'll go through the top six, and then we will end beneficial facts from there. So, um, so hold on. So I'm gonna, I did have most eliminations. And then I kind of did it that way. So we're going to just go by eliminations average and who has the best one. So coming in at number six is Kane. 
in 19 Rumble matches with 44 eliminations. Number five is HBK, Shawn Michaels. 12 Rumble matches with 41 eliminations, taking Shit. his to 3.4. Uh, did I say Keynes was a 2.3? No. Nope. Oh, sorry. My bad. So, yeah, Keynes is 2.3. Uh, Shawn Michaels is 3.4. So, coming in kind of tied at number four and three are uh, The Undertaker. Their eliminations average came out to the same. But uh, Undertaker is 11 Rumble matches with 40 eliminations, taking him to 3.6. Uh, Triple H is in nine Rumble matches with 33 eliminations, taking him also to 3.6. Uh, number Can two. Can I guess the top two? No. Because oh, okay. <laughs> I think you're going to get okay. them. Uh, number two is actually Stone Cold Steve Austin. Six Rumble matches, 36 eliminations, taking him to six eliminations uh, per Rumble match average. And number one, this is for you, Jesse. Four Rumble matches, 27 eliminations for a 6.75 eliminations average. Hulk Hogan still has the best eliminations average in Rumble history. Boys, this is why you take your vitamins and you say your prayers and you do your training so you can dominate. Yeah, but you know what? Hogan didn't alter the matches alter the um, rules to the match. Yeah. You see, when Macho Man Randy Savage jumped over <laughs> the top rope, they had well, to I'm... decide, no, you have to be propelled by somebody over Except the top Except that has rope. gone away because Ahmed Johnson and Bill Mascaris eliminate themselves. Yeah, we'll, 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 get to, we'll get to those. Oh. But how many has Hogan won? Two. He's won two. How many has Austin won? Three. Three. So Austin's better. Sorry. Yeah, well, yeah. Austin is the only man to this day who is is the only man to this day who's ever won three Royal Rumbles. Yeah, I have a feeling that John Cena might tie him because they were supposed to do it. Well, SummerSlam's in Boston this year too. Allegedly, well, as of right now. So I don't know. I don't know. So, and uh, having said that, this week these have been your beneficial facts. All right, our first match of the evening is for the Intercontinental title. We got Goldust facing Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Helmsley is the champ going in, and he retains the title by pinfall at 16 minutes and 50 seconds. Dave, what were your thoughts? It was nice to see an aggressive Goldust as opposed to the traditional theatrical at this point. Yeah, and it, and it made sense to the story, too, with Hunter kind of going after his wife and all that stuff. Yeah, like it, it. It finally showed that continuity can be pretty good for storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, the the catapult over the top rope I thought was executed very well. Uh, when Triple H took the bump on the apron, I at first thought he was gonna hit his jaw or his throat on the bottom rope because of how he landed on it. But it looked very good. Uh, I was confused, though, with the amount of action out of the ring, considering it was not a no DQ. Yeah, the entire and pay-per-view, you could see that the refs were letting a whole lot of stuff go. I thought I was watching Extreme Rules. Because it's just like, I'm like, ref, he's using the steel steps. Okay. There's no count out. Okay. And it, it was so blatant that the commentary, uh, the, the commentary team, excuse me, was even questioning it the whole match. So I felt that the match was good. I gave it a C. I, I felt that, the, that it should have been booked a hardcore match considering the story we were watching, but I gave it a C. Mm-hmm. Ben? Were you guys bored with this match at all? Uh, not really. I thought it was okay. I don't know. I, I kind of was. I don't know why I was expecting this to be a little more aggressive, but I was. I don't know. I just there was some. I felt there was something missing in this match, and I don't know what it is. Disqualification. What's that? A disqualification or a count out. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
Triple H's uh, funny uh, selling antics, uh, especially with the steel steps. <laughs> that that was actually kind of uh, <laughs> that was funny. Kind of funny. Yeah. Um, the match didn't shatter my dreams, but uh, it shattered my interest after about five minutes. There you go. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the ref had no interest in maintaining order or enforcing any rules at all. But here's the thing about you guys kind of touched on it. At least it was consistent with the refs letting stuff go in the matches. Yeah. So I, I kind of I thought about it after the event ended. I'm like, well, it was consistent with that at least. So eh, whatever. You see, if they had just been all over like say Ahmed and Farouk about the all that shit that they were doing, then I would have been oh, like, man. okay, hold on, you're letting. You're letting Goldust and uh, Hunter go, but these two, you're okay. Yeah, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I um, get it you. was an okay match. Uh, uh, I think Goldust here is kind of having—I don't want to say issues, but he's a face now, so he kind of has to alter his character and approach a little bit. It kind of felt like he was trying to find himself again. Yep. You know what yep. I mean. Yep. Um, but I mean, uh, yeah, I gave the match a C. It wasn't a bad match, but it wasn't, uh, I mean, it wasn't Malenko and Mysterio opening match, uh, quality, but still it was okay. I also gave the match a C. I thought, again, okay match, uh, nothing special. I kind of thought it was a paint by numbers match. A lot of it too, you know, that's what it is. You know, you got, that's what it is. You know, yes. like they brawled on the outside, but then when they got in the ring and they slowed it down, they tied up, they did the rest holds, like yada yada yada. You 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 go into the heat, you blow a comeback, yada yada yada. Triple H cuts you off, you know, like that's just kind of how I felt. But I thought it was okay. Uh, the finish was Mr. Hughes distracts Goldust, and then when Goldust turns around, Triple H hits him with the clothesline, and then a pedigree to win. Our next match is Farouk facing the returning Ahmed Johnson. And Ahmed wins by disqualification at 8 minutes and 48 seconds. Ben, what were your thoughts? Let's just say I didn't have a case of undisputed era syndrome in this match. It didn't shock my system. (laughs) Um, Okay. The first 60 seconds were fantastic. When Ahmed got into the ring and just started just bumbling Farouk, because it's like, okay, yeah, you know what? You you took my career away from me for about six months. I'm freaking giving you yours now. Mm. I mean, ah. Glitchy in some spots. Timing seemed off. Uh, Ahmed seemed like he was rushing through a lot of things. Well, um, as Ahmed is what to do, you know? Well, uh, chemistry is definitely lacking in this. I found the intensity was good. Um, with all the time and money they put into this angle with segments, promos, it had the makings of being something that would have been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Ahmed has definitely lost a step uh, since being off. Um, I just, I, I found he didn't really have the speed that he uh, had before. Cause he did have, he did have a little bit of pep in his step at least. Yeah. He had a little too much pep in his step for his own damn good. <laughs> um, everything for the buildup was a plus until the bell rang. Um, Ahmed's definitely back and, uh, he's back in the toolbox. It seems. <laughs> and, um, I mean, it was just, it was a dud. It was a dud. I gave the uh, match a 0.25. Uh, but I will say this. Um, the uh, the dude that tried to uh, jump Ahmed from behind while they were in the aisle after the match ended and uh, Ahmed putting him through the table, the way that that guy uh, positioned himself, turned himself in the air and actually took that bump, he was a superstar for doing that. He had to because Ahmed sure as hell wasn't fucking flipping him. Jesus no. Christ, like he just threw the dude. And um oh then uh when Ahmed threw the uh threw the guy outside the ring, uh was it one of those uh the the rappers uh, Wolfie Wolfie D or whatever their names are? I can't even remember their names. 
But he picked one of them up, he threw him outside the ring, and it was just like, okay, well, Jesus Christ, I think Ultimate Warrior would have uh, dropped this guy safer than this. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, I gave the match a D. I just, I didn't like it. All right, Dave? Okay, so this is another match that I felt was booked incorrectly considering the build it had. Like, this should have been a, like, I would have booked this, a, booked this as an unsanctioned match. Because yeah, yeah, especially during the story. Sure. Yeah, it was so aggressive, um, and the fact that it ended in a DQ, it kind of like ended the rivalry for me. Yeah, because I'm like, I have no interest in this now. Like, this was this this was absolutely terrible. Now, Ahmed Johnson, I felt would have benefited from the same type of build that Batista had, where he debuted as like a bodyguard for someone, mm. like maybe Farouk, and was like able to stand by the ring and just learn because he was pushed too fast yes um, yeah, very very unsafe he's the one thing i will give him though credit for is being consistently bad um <laughs> you give credit to that that's a, love it that's love very it. you're so bad and I, give you credit. I, just, I just love it like i give you credit for being really shitty at what you do phenomenal <laughs> like phenomenal thing like uh, he's the best at being probably some of the worst. So <laughs> I give him an A for effort for being shitty because he does that very well. Oh, However, I feel bad for Farouk because it's like you can tell Farouk felt that this was like a money making rivalry for him. Like this was a big break for him, and it just the match quality was terrible. The build was amazing mm-hmm. because there was a lot of real life influence with it but the match itself I gave it a D so I gave this match an F and a lot of it okay. a lot of it <laughs> was because I didn't understand how the ref could let Farouk hit, hit him with the chair and then and then when the nation comes in to interfere he calls for disqualification I'm like wait what and uh, I'm, I'm right with Ben the first 60 seconds were like, holy shit, this is going to be a barn burner. And then it went stupid. It went absolutely stupid. Um, and Ahmed was blown up within two minutes. Farouk was trying to push him through, but it just didn't work. I was I was more aggravated at the end of it uh, than anything. Uh, at this point, Ahmed is in my running for tool of the night. Uh, but that gets taken away from him because, you know, things happen. Um, the finish was Ahmed hits a uh, spine buster and then the entire nation comes in leading to the DQ. So like it just, a for, for such a robbery and Ahmed Johnson coming back, that's how you do the finish. It was just not a good look. Our next match, we got Vader versus Undertaker and Vader wins by pinfall at 13 minutes and 19 seconds. Dave. Oh man. So this match, I felt how Ben felt with the opening match. I thought it was boring. Uh, the highlight of the match for me was Undertaker hitting a Famouser. Okay. When when that happened, I popped. <laughs> I was like, Taker just hit a Famouser? <laughs> okay. Taker's an ass man. <laughs> like, I, I just thought that that was the most standing out. Uh, at this point, I still say Vader's booking the WBF was atrocious. Yes. Like, oh, it was – wow. As soon as Sean don't oh. think you would stop. Well, you can thank Sean for that one. Yeah. It's a – it's like Dusty Rhodes 2.0, you know? It's like you have a great, huge star that can be built as this big monster, and it's just – he's a dud. Like, it's just like – like, not him, but his storylines, his pushes, they're just terrible. And I, I think that's the reason why going this match I wasn't really excited for because I'm like, well, if it's going to be traditional Vader with how they've been booking him so far, this is probably going to be a really boring match. So I felt it was really boring, and I gave it a D. Ben? Um, I thought these two were great together in this match. They complimented each other well. Um, they sold for each other really well, uh, making themselves look strong and not lose face. Uh, Vader's reaction to um, Taker sitting up after his attacks were excellent, I thought. Uh, Taker being really aggressive with his striking is really amplifying his character, I'm finding. I didn't mind Paul Bearer's involvement. Still kind of unfinished business there. Um, the finish being really Blitzkrieg-like. Uh, 
kind of made sense to me. I mean, he's down, might as well take advantage. And uh, it, it was great to see Vader go over, considering he's been he's been shit on for the past several months. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, there's a little funny story about uh, Vader uh, being booked and everything shitty the way he has. But uh, Vince actually wanted to change Vader's name to the Mastodon at one point, and I guess Jim Cornette had to kind of come to his aid a little bit and say, Vince, it's fucking Vader. <laughs> like everyone in the world knows who Vader is. Yes, but it's not, but that's not, it's this guy though. He wants to have his own yeah, name. Well, fuck. But uh, I actually gave the match a B. I didn't give the match a B. I actually liked it. Really? All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we, just, I gave... we just watched Ahmed and Farouk. I mean, fuck. See, <laughs> We just we just watched Farouk and Ahmed, which was bad. Uh, this was only slightly better for me. I gave this a D. I thought it was a meh match. Um, the match went sideways after Paul Bearer came down for me. Um, especially because Paul Bearer uh, couldn't get to the spots in time. And he's falling over shit. And it's not like it's not his fault. It's just it didn't it didn't come together properly. And I was just like, oh man. Uh, the finish was after after Paul Bearer came down, he distracts the Undertaker and then helps Vader get out of the way, leading to Taker running himself into the railing. Taker then rolls into the ring, Vader kicks him, and then hits the Vader bomb. One, two, three. There we go. Uh, okay. Are, uh, did you guys uh, watch any of those uh, Rumble uh, participant uh, promos? No. Uh, this- uh, a couple. This is the one where I talked about this. I think last last time we did Rumble, but this is the this is the one where Bulldog talks about being bizarre as he's watching. Oh it. shit! <laughs> Coming in with the Canadian tuxedo all denim, denim, and I was just like, like I'm gonna win this thing because I'm bizarre, and I'm just like, <laughs> what? The fuck does that have to do with anything? So you know, if you didn't watch that, then you're just missing out. Just by the way, uh, our next match is, I guess, a triple A. Showcase match. We got. I'm gonna butcher these names. I'm gonna really try hard to get it right, though. Fuerza Guerrera, Heavy Metal, and Jerry Estrada facing Pero Pero Aguayo, El Kanek, and Hector Garza. Very good. Okay, thank you. Aguayo, Kanek, and Garza win by pinfall at 10 minutes and 56 seconds. Ben, Rumble match, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, eh? If anything, I really enjoyed watching Hector Garza and remember just how good of a worker he was and a very underrated talent. Uh, his corkscrew dive was super innovative and that was fucking sweet. Yeah. Uh, most of the match itself, it seemed like it didn't belong there. And it's just based on the style they worked. I mean, it's kind of saving, saying the, this to Dave. I mean, it's it's apples and oranges with AAA and WWF styles. Like it's, it 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 really really brings out the uh, I don't want to say the flaws, but you could totally tell they're not the same at all, and one makes the other look worse because they're associated with by association, I guess. Um, but I mean, you know, Psycho Sid's the ambassador to try new things, so probably went to Vince and said, "Hey, hey give these guys a try." Um, seriously though, no issue with the Mexican style, but integrating the two doesn't work, especially on a WWF show. And, uh, I give the match a D Dave. Okay. So the fans have zero interest in this match. Let's just, you know, let's just get that right away. Like right away. Let's say that the fans don't like that one too. So, so did that not surprise you guys? Because I'm assuming they brought up the AAA uh, promotion because, San Antonio has like it's right there on the Me- like Mexican border, and they're thinking there's got to be some cross, you know, like there's Latinos in the crowd that are going to know these guys and be excited to see these guys, and they got no reaction at all. None. And another thing that surprised me was with how good that WCW Cruiserweight division is doing. You would think that this would also bring attention to the AAA match as well. Yeah, but fans just don't give a shit. And the, the 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 biggest takeaway from this match for me was, I am so sick of the no selling. 
the biggest one to me was the no sell on a tilt the world backbreaker. Yeah, I was like, this is why I've tried watching CMLL, AAA, Lucha Underground, and I just can't get into their style. No, it doesn't mean I don't respect it. It just means it's not my style because of the setup time, the no selling, the no tags. It just it seems like a style that I just could never get into, but. Rey Mysterio Jr. bringing that style to North American and then adjusting and adapting with it, and then like basically combining the American with North with the Mexican was well, he you know he did it so well yeah and that's why he's like the best ever. But this match, oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> like Ben said, the the one person that stood the most to me, not surprisingly, was Hector Garza. I've always respected his work. And I was so excited to see that he was in this match to the point where when he hit the sky twisting press to the outside, I was ecstatic. I was like, thank you. Like, show him because he looked the most smooth out of everybody. Like, his timing was great. His execution was great. Um, I especially loved – I cannot remember who it was, if it was Pero or Jerry that went uh, international to do a suicide dive and then stopped. That was Pero, man. Yeah, no, okay. he like, like <laughs> fuck, man. He was brutal in this match, and I understand he's older, but but like, understand your limitations, man, and don't don't do an international and then run towards the rope and stop and slowly climb through the rope to do a shitty ass dive. Like, what the fuck, man? Hey, God. To make it worse, not only did he stop and then slowly climb through the rope, but he went for a seated senton and almost threw it his back. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <laughs> and i was like this is not going well <laughs> so uh like i told ben in our in, in our text messaging I, I told him i'm like this either made wbf look better or made them look worse in the sense that these guys were no selling everything mm-hmm. so they're like oh we're gonna sell a chop but these guys are not selling tilt the world backbreakers okay you know, uh, I think uh, I think one of the reasons why is they probably had the so what did it go? It went um, it went ten minutes, so they probably had a ten minute limit, and uh, and they just wanted to get everything in they possibly could, you know, and and yep. they didn't give a shit about selling, uh, which I'm with you, Dave. Uh, so that kind of stuff drives me insane with luchador wrestling, is the lack of selling, um, in, in a way that I'm used to. Uh, I, it's not it's not the kind of wrestling I, I would like to watch on on a like consistent basis myself. So, well, and it just uh, like the the other person next to Hector that was kind of like, okay, you know what? He's actually pretty good. Is is heavy metal? Yep. Like he was doing some really innovative stuff. But then when I saw like him selling, I'm like, okay, it just it, it like Luchador. I I don't know how to explain it, but it feels like. They're out for themselves, not each other to give a good match. Yeah, yeah, that's a good like, that's a I'm good, gonna show my yeah. flippy flip flips, yeah. but I'm not gonna sell for you. Yep, yep. Uh, so I gave the match a D. Like I, I, I was so close to giving it an F, but because of Hector, I gave it a D. I also gave the match a D. I just didn't care for this match. Uh, I'm with Dave. They're just they're just uh, it, it went from move to move, uh, sequence to sequence, no selling, Paraguayo. Uh, like just being a, a dummy uh, and trying to do shit he shouldn't be trying to do. Uh, the finish was that Aguayo gets the gets the pin after hitting a double stop on heavy metal from the top rope, uh, which he almost killed the fucking the poor bastard. You know, uh, so I'm just like, oh my god. Uh, just, okay, guys, just uh, one uh, one thing before we go on to the rumble match itself. Uh, you're saying uh, the Mexican style. There, a lot of the guys go and do business for themselves and don't really care if the match is a work of art or anything but uh one one particular uh, performer that um was really really bad at that was um um from multiple sources is juventud guerrera yeah yeah because he he'd just be in it he'd be in it for Hoovy and Hoovy only and didn't give a shit about uh, his opponent and uh I'm sure if we ask Jerry Lynn uh, how that uh, turns out, uh, he could tell you all about his uh, shoulder problems he had after a match he had with uh, Hoovy. Yeah. All right, so our next match is the Rumble match. And the first two entrants are Crush and Odd Johnson. 
Austin wins the whole damn thing in 50 minutes and 29 seconds. Dave is going to give us, he's just going to run through the eliminations and we're going to chime in as he goes. Take it away, That's Dave. That's correct. That's correct. I am very excited to do this. This is an honor. It was a lot of work. I read Wikipedia. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the way that I do it is I will read Wikipedia first, write down all the eliminations in order, and then I'll watch the event because otherwise I'm just distracted and can't pay attention to anything. Yeah, yeah. So after the long process of doing this, here it is. Ahmed eliminates fake razor. I don't like how they call them that. I do like – no, no. I do like how they call him fake razor because, again, his punches are <laughs> – He is fake. His, his punches are fucking <laughs> awful. At least at least the uh, the Isaac Yankum DDS Kane Big Daddy Cool Diesel guy, at least he's giving like a like a an okay version. But fake razor's not doing good with his gimmick, man. It's not good. <laughs> What's with what's with the fake razor leading like three quarters of his body length forward as he's doing these punches? Because he hasn't figured out how to do them. He's like, I think this is how he does it. I'm not sure. So watch Scott Hall match the <laughs> matches then. Um. So yeah, Ahmed eliminates fake razor. Ahmed then eliminates himself to chase <laughs> to chase after Farouk. Yep. Yep. Like I get it, but I don't. Yeah, why wouldn't you roll? Under- <laughs> I don't give him a pass on. Why that. wouldn't you roll underneath the ring, Ahmed? <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Like, he literally is like, I'm gonna go and jump over the top rope. I can't go between the middle or the bottom or underneath. I'm gonna go over. That's right. And I'm like, so you're gonna go after Ahmed and take the chance of losing a chance at the world heavyweight championship? He failed Scott Steiner's okay. math. <laughs> he, he chose not to do the other 66 and two-thirds chances of not being eliminated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God damn. It's like that that moment in Endgame where uh, Doctor Strange is like, there's a 1 in 14 million chance we're going to lose this. And Almond's like, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take it. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, and then Phineas eliminates Crush. Uh, Steve Austin eliminates Phineas. Good. Then Bert Gunn. Then Jake Roberts. He just says, "Screw all you guys." Uh, I, like, I like Jake's and uh, Austin's uh, little um, mini match they had when Jake came in. I thought that was really well done. Those mini matches are really fun to watch when they happen. Uh, British Bulldog eliminates the Sultan. That was bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Owen Hart eliminates British Bulldog. That was really bizarre. Yep. Uh, oh, God. Okay. Uh, Mil Mascaras. Here, it, here and, it is. Yep. This is where I look extremely disrespectful, but I don't tend to do so. I just can't pronounce uh, any other names except for English. Um, Mil Mascaras and Perrier. Perot? Eliminate. Genetico? Oh, sorry, Cybernetico. 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 Uh, Milmuscaris eliminates uh, uh, Pirith. I can never say his name. I think it's uh, Peroth. Peroth. Milmuscaris eliminates himself. <laughs> yeah, well, ben, go. Okay, okay. okay. Go, go so, to town, Ben. Go to town, buddy. Milmuscaris' self-elimination is bullshit. Okay. Mascaris. Milmaskers <laughs> exited the ring through the second rope before climbing to the top and doing his high dive spots. If he had jumped on the top rope and then eliminated himself, well, then you have to put that in the same category as Ahmed Johnson failing the 66 two-thirds chances of not being eliminated. <laughs> but Milmaskers chose one of the 66 and two-third chances of not being eliminated, but they said, no, you're eliminated. It's like, no, he went through the second row. Yeah, he sure did. He sure did. Like, he, you're supposed to tell him to go back in, but they say he was eliminated. And then Jim Ross and Jerry the King fucking throw him under the bus saying, well, he doesn't understand the rules. No, you don't fucking understand the rules. <laughs> he went through the second row. You were looking right at them three feet away. Oh, man. Like, so, fuck's sakes. 
so technically, Mill Maskers and Curtis Axel are still in the Rumble matches. Yes. 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 Actually, it. and technically, Hornswoggle. And Hornswoggle, yep. Yeah. Uh, okay, carrying on after Ben Fuck. explained himself. After, okay, after Ben got extremely <laughs> angry. That pissed, that pissed me off, especially when they said, oh, he doesn't understand the rules. Like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I love how it's your own you fucking are. company. You don't understand the rules. <laughs> uh, do I, do I care? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Goldust eliminates Triple H. Owen Hart eliminates Goldust. Farouk eliminates Latin Lover. Oh, poor Latin Lover. Yeah. Ahmed Johnson eliminates Farouk. Okay, that was hilarious. Did, that did was. Ahmed run to, like, did he look around the back and find the longest fucking two-by-four I have ever seen in my life? That was great. And he runs out, and I swear to God, he almost hit a fan as he was running out because the thing was so fucking long. <laughs> I was just like, what are you doing? And when, so, so this is thing, when he got into the ring, <laughs> when he got into the fucking ring, and Farouk saw it. He's like, oh, I'm just going to eliminate myself. Fuck this shit. <laughs> Phenomenal. That's not Morningwood. That's week <laughs> exactly. one. Jesus. Steve Austin eliminates Mark Merrow, Owen Hart, then Savio Vega, then Jesse James. Uh, Bret Hart eliminates Jerry Lawler. That was amazing. <laughs> Vader eliminates Flash Flunk. Undertaker eliminates Henry O. Godwin. Mankind eliminates Rocky Maivia. He's he's gonna hit rock bottom pretty soon if he keeps losing like this. Um, Mankind eliminates Terry Funk. Undertaker eliminates Mankind. Steve Austin eliminates Vader, then Undertaker. Bret Hart eliminates Fake Diesel. And then Steve Austin eliminates Bret Hart to stand victorious. Uh, I loved I loved uh, Austin's face when Bret came out because it was just Austin in the ring and like he he put his hands up on his head and he's like oh shit like just great stuff loved it loved that. Uh, also Jerry the Jerry the King Lawler's entrance and elimination was so awesome. Did you guys? He's he's a he's a honorable mention for uh, performers for this evening. Uh, just just like what did he say? He's like it takes a king, and then he goes in the ring and gets eliminated, and then he picks up the headset, puts it back on to Noah King. And I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Love it. And he's playing dumb, like he doesn't even remember being in the fucking match. Just just great stuff, man. Great stuff. Nope. This set goose uh, goosebumps up my spine watching this. The Undertaker, Mankind, Rocky, and Austin are all in the Rumble match at the same time, and the attitude hasn't even taken shape yet. Yep, yep. Like they don't even know what's coming yet. Um, Ahmed, Ahmed, trying to amalgamate eliminating an Ahmed's name in the same word uh ahmed <laughs> eliminating himself well uh, ahmed's back <laughs> um it's like ben just drank a pearl of a plunge yeah uh yeah he's fuck <laughs> plunge your ass on out of here um mill mascaris elimination was bullshit but a spade's a spade so it was ahmed's then technically because he wasn't propelled over the top rope like the macho man rule explains um, Mark Marrow is, I, he's done. Like, nobody gives a shit about this guy anymore. That's one thing I know. Yeah, but they, they care about that arm candy, baby. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, Owen and Bulldog were awesome in their spot. I think, uh, Owen eliminated, uh, Bulldog out of jealousy. Owen's jealous, but he's not bizarre. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Brett's role was really great and really intense. And oh man, he's he's uh, playing up this like like losing his shit yeah. about getting screwed over. Oh, and they did they did that whole thing well with with Austin being eliminated, but none of the refs seen because Mankind and Terry Funk are are uh, 
battling on, on the other side of the ring. Like, just great stuff, man. I thought it was a, thought it was a great finish. Very unique, unexpected, and uh, very bizarre. <laughs> uh, I also like the fallaway slam Vader did to eliminate Flash Funk. I thought, yeah, I thought that was, that well was unique. And, and for what it was, it could have been done really unsafe, but I thought Vader did a pretty decent job of protecting him. Well, that and Funk's a pro, too. I mean, that's true. It's just, you don't want to call him too cold score. Yeah, it's, now, it's really too bad they, they saddled him with such a shit ass gimmick. Fuck. Yeah. Like, that's, another, I, that's another one that just. I never really let that go. Is it. Why did you just call him too cold Scorpio? Yep. Like, fuck. Yep. You could just call him too cold. I mean, you're, you're trying. You're in a war with WCW. You want more people to watch your program. I mean. Like, I watched WCW when Too Cool Scorpio was there, and then when I saw him for the first time when I was watching Survivor Series 96, uh, back when I was 13, 14 years old, he comes out, and I'm like, oh, dude, it's Too Cool Scorpio. But, I mean, you got you have guys that know who he is, so it's like, if you had him come to the Federation as Too Cool Scorpio, you'll have fans that saw him before say, oh, he's over here now. I like watching him. And then you get more, you get a small audience to jump over, but still, you have more viewers. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. But it happened outside WWE, so it never That's existed. Right. Fuck, I hate that mentality. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. It's not great at all. So what did you guys score the match? A one. Gave it a C. You gave it a C, and Ben gave it an A? I gave it an A just because of Austin. I gave it a B. Um, I thought the first half was kind of slow and plotting, but then uh, the second half, actually, when the ring started – uh, loading up with guys, it kind of got better as it went on. Uh, so that leads us, and also it, this was a star-making performance for Steve Austin, which uh, follows his star-making performance from the King of the Ring tournament, which follows a star-making performance at Survivor Series. So there seems to be a theme for this man. Uh, our main event is for the WWF title. We got Shawn Michaels facing Psycho Sid, and Sid's the champ going in. Michaels wins the title by pinfall at 13 minutes and 49 seconds. Ben. Great shots with both walking to the ring in the back. A good way to build up the uh, last minute anticipation for the Mm -hmm. match. Uh, Pretty big pop for HBK, but it still felt a lot quieter. What did you guys think of that? Just really quick. My thing was, I felt like it was because the building's so big that it, that it just doesn't sound the sound yeah, goes that's up. I was thinking. I was thinking that too, but I'm at the same time I'm still going, yeah, but you still don't really hear like and there's kind of when the sound goes up, there's almost like there's a delay in the reaction by a couple mm-hmm. of seconds, but I was kind of trying to listen for that. I still didn't hear hear the crowd get louder. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I he they could be I I don't think HBK was as popular as they were making us believe. Quite possibly, quite possibly. We were saying that in um uh at Survivor Series in New York that uh in New York they were done with them. Cause when Sid came out and they were um doing the shots when he was coming down the aisle next to the to the fans at the guardrails, like they were they were into him. Yep. So, so I, I don't know. I was kind of humming and hawing a little at that one. Um, I thought it was a pretty good story told between the two. Uh, I thought it was great energy. These two have some pretty decent chemistry together. Um, I thought they, you know, for the most part, laid their chips out on the table with this match. It's pretty innovative. And um, M- Michael's bumper said like money as usual. And I, I enjoyed it minus the Lotharios, I think they they didn't really need to be in this. Yeah, that was weird. I, I mean, they, they tried to do a little too much with what they really needed to, and I mean, um, who was Jose's uh, son's name again? Um, I don't recall, to be honest. Yeah, I can't remember. But, uh, he almost got tooled the night for trying to attack Sid. I'm like, no, no dude, no. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, man. I'm like, dude, you're trying to attack Sid. Like, yeah. He goes, yeah, but he's attacking my dad. I'm like, yeah, call the cops. They have guns. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Go back and yeah. sit down. 
Um, I, I give the match a C. It was all right. It wasn't as good as their Survivor Series match, but I still think they did a good job. Dave? Uh, HBK selling the flip bump into the corner to the outside was amazing. Yeah. If there's if there's one way to show the power of Sid, it was that way. HBK also deserves to be part of the conversation for the nicest looking diving elbow drop. Yeah. Sure. I, I I've always loved his his version of it. Now the part of this match that really lost me was. A, the Lothario involvement because it made no sense. Now, if Jose's son was someone that I could believe as a threat to Sid, it would have worked. But when you're smaller than Sean, it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. How are you? How are you? Gonna, how are you going to be? Um, yeah. How are you going to be helping Sean when you're like that? Yeah. Pete. Pete Lothario. Yeah, Peter. Oh, oh, was it just Pete? It's Pete, yeah. Well, that was Pete Durr, okay. But yeah, nonetheless, that was extremely uncalled for. Like, they could have had where Lothario was banned from ringside and just avoid that whole story together for safety reasons. Like, if you're so concerned of him getting hurt, then why you let him go out there? (laughs) Um, Right? Right? (laughs) I'm so concerned for my dad's safety, but we're going to let him go out anyway. Yeah. So you're so concerned that you're not going to prevent it from happening. Makes sense. It just, it just, it straight up does, Dave. It just, it just makes all kinds of sense. Okay. (laughs) The biggest pet peeve of this match for me was the power bomb to the outside led to nothing. Yeah, yeah. It was. I was like, like when when Sean was outside, I was like, oh, if they go for a power bomb on the outside, it's gonna look amazing because it's something you don't ever see at this time. And then they did it, and I'm like, it led to a ref bump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what was – I'm like, that should have been the freaking finish right there. Yeah, oh, my God. And I was like, okay. So, comparatively, I do prefer the Brett instead match over this one, but I still give this match. Really? Yeah, I, I agree huh. with that. I preferred the Brett and Sid to this one. Um, I did like the finish, though, with, with Sean hitting Sid with the camera, like, to get retribution. I thought that was – that was like that and then he had some switch in music to get the win. Uh, I gave this match a C. It was okay. Um, Sid is is some matches like and he's having a good match with Sean, but it's just sometimes Sid has it and sometimes Sid doesn't. And to me, Sid didn't have it on this night. So um, that's where I kind of came out on it. All right, Dave, give us your uh, your awards for the. Uh, for the pay-per-view. Not a problem, Jesse. I'm so happy to do that for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> my my workhorse, I gave the Hector Garza. Okay. Um he just he just damn well impressed me the most of out of everyone involved in the whole night. And my tool I gave to Ahmed Johnson. Okay. Because every time he appeared, he got worse. Yeah, he's I'm just done with them. I'm just done. My overall score was 4 out of 10. Ben? Uh, my workhorse was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay. And my, uh, my tool was also Ahmed Johnson because... Low-hanging fruit? Fuck. Uh, oh, Ahmed's terrible in this. Fuck, he's <laughs> terrible in this. Um... And my score was uh, 5 out of 10. Uh, my workhorse was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, my tool was Pero Aguayo uh, because he was, <laughs> that makes he sense. was just so fucking brutal. I, yeah, I kind of saw that coming the way and you were you talking know what? about like, him. Like I, when they came in, I'm like, who the fuck sent out their grandpa to do this shit? Like, he was just so much older than everybody else in the ring. And I'm just like, why he- is he there? He kind of remind me of Jimmy, Jimmy Snuka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would agree with that. And I scored the pay-per-view a 4 out of 10. So not a great start to 97, but uh, I'm sure the rest of the year will be pretty good. We will be back next week with uh, WCW slash NWO sold out 1997 with the main event of the Giant versus Hogan for the title. In case you're wondering, the Giants have the NWO at this point. So, spoilers. Is this a uh, is this a monster truck match? Well, 
<laughs> it did not say that on Wikipedia. I really hope it isn't. It's not a fucking monster truck match. <laughs> Is it a uh, thrown off the top of a roof match? Oh, no. oh. They're, in Cedar, they're in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. There's no buildings they, tall enough uh, to WWE have that kind of match bring, there. WWE should bring that back now for their next Saudi show. It'd be the ultimate, the <laughs> ultimate, uh, the ultimate rumble where you get thrown off a fucking building. The Burj Khalifa. That's right. God. The only one that's able to survive that is the yes, Giants. That's right. And you know what? Titus O'Neil <laughs> wouldn't have to worry about sliding under the ring because if he did slide, he'd be dead because he'd fall off the fucking building. So, Can you imagine if uh, Titus fell off the top of the Burj Khalif? You hear him on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't top that. On that note, have a great week, everybody. Stay safe. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Sold Out next week.